welcome everyone. My name's Robert. I'm one of the pastors here, and I haven't preached for quite some time, so you might be like, who's this brother? Um, yeah, I'm one of the elders here. And <clears throat> you guys ready? You good? So um, Pastor E took us um, for 11 weeks for a series on the Beatitudes, and I'm saying, and that's going to just go down as a classic. There's, there's been a number of times over the past, wow, it's been 15 years now since we planted a church. And there have been a couple seasons that have just been special, and the Beatitudes definitely is one of them. Um, last week, Denzel, you know what I'm saying? Yes, D. Um, done a fantastic job looking at one of my favorite topics, um, <clears throat> um, Jesus in all of the scriptures. You know, there's, there's actually a book that's called that, Jesus on every page of your Bible. And if you know how and where to look, you, you'll actually be able to find him. Um, so Denzel helped us last week, and... <clears throat> Uh, and, and I suppose in one sense that kind of indirectly links to Christmas and um, because I suppose it's, it's, it's quite unprecedented, uh, unprecedented un, it's an unprecedented moment in human history where Jesus was miraculously revealed is what we get to celebrate at Christmas, you know what I'm saying? And um, um, when he literally stepped into time and space. And so in a sense you could say that last week's sermon... Um, was an introduction to this week's sermon um, and into this week's kind of, into the next few weeks kind of sermon series. Um, because I think last week what Denzel did was he gave us some really helpful back story to Jesus's predicted coming um, in a sense I'm going to kind of pick up from. So with it being Christmas, our theme over the next few weeks um, I said the next few weeks, oh, it's not working. Not you guys. My, I updated my software. I went Mojave and it on Mac on OX10 and um, my remote ain't working no more. Um, so it's all good. So our topic for the next three weeks, that's this Sunday, next Sunday, the 23rd. Sunday after that is the 28th. And we've got some bits and pieces in between, as you heard Bertram mention. Our theme for the next few weeks is wish list. Today's going to be part one. And, and here's the question that I want to be asking over the next few weeks. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? I remember back um, Christmas 1988, a long time ago. Some of you weren't even born, right? Um, 1988 was the year I met Helen. And she must have really fallen in love with me. Car. Christmas, she bought me this gold bracelet with a Krugerrand on it. If any of you know what a Krugerrand is. I know Bertram does because them guys collect gold. We need, to, we need to talk, you know, brother. These guys got some mad investments and you need to school us and bring us in. You know what I mean? But um, you remember back in the day, they used to call it, um, what did they used to call them bracelets again? Chops. It was, ah, oh, thank you, sis. E, does it work with Mojave? Bruv. Um, come hook me up, bro. Oh, here's the thing. And um, so Helen bought me this bracelet and... Like, we was only like three, four months into the relationship. So, like I said, she must have really loved me. And uh, I'll check it in a minute. And um, that was Christmas 1988. And I lost the thing. I can't even find it. We're looking for, you know, like periodical moves and that. I lost it somehow. Um, <clears throat> my loss is someone's gain. Um, 2012, I remember a particular Christmas because what I desired was a camera. I'd had an old camera. It was a four, Canon 400D. Lent it out. Someone dropped it. I shut my camera. And... Um, they don't go to this church. 
And um, so Helen bought me this new camera, a Canon 70D, nice camera with an 18 to 135mm lens and nice camera. That was 19, that was 2012. And in 2017, which was last Christmas, I don't know if you remember, I got this amazing Christmas present. I found my sister who I'd never ever met, 50 years. You know what I'm saying? What a Christmas present. And it's like, my question to you is, what are you this Christmas? What are you hoping for? Have you got your heart set on something special? Now, some of you ain't got your heart on no special gift. All you want is some sleep over Christmas, right? <laughs> Amen. You know what I'm saying? Some of you may be like me back in July, want to lose some weight. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Well, Christmas ain't the right time. But, you know, I know for me, like, intermittent fasting goes out the window until next year. You know what I mean? Um, or good health. What is it you want? <clears throat> now, in contrast to our desires... Um, sometimes there are gifts that we need that we may not be aware of. There are gifts sometimes that we need that we may not be aware of. But just to start off, talking about gifts and taking it back to the Lord. Um, whoa. Oh, it's the other way. Bro, help me. How's this thing work? Okay. Taking it back to the Lord. How many of you know every good gift comes from where? All right, you know, you're reading your Bible, isn't it? So, it says in James 1, it says in James 1, it just looks squeezed. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters, if you like. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation. That's the ESV. The NLT wraps up that by saying he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. It's trustworthy. So when it comes to giving gifts, <clears throat> can you see that God can hardly be outdone? He's the best gift giver, right? Now today I'd like to highlight just one of the many good gifts, perfect gifts even, that God gives, that God grants. And it might be a gift that we've overlooked, you know what I'm saying? And we may have never put on our wish list. My message today is... Um, <clears throat> God gave his son, God gave us his son, and we're going to be looking at <clears throat> John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. And my message has three points, basically. It's God loves, God gives, and God forgives. You want to say that with me? God loves, God gives, and God forgives. Let's just pray. Father, thank you. <clears throat> that we get the opportunity, Lord, um, once a week, just to shift our gaze and our focus onto you. Um, because the world constantly crashes in on our perspectives. And um, what a blessing it is, Lord, for us to have a Sabbath, to take time out. And especially, Lord, in this mad run up to Christmas, um, Lord, would you just frame our thinking and give us some focus, Lord, for the next couple of weeks that really helps to contribute, Lord, to us enjoying ourselves along with our families and our friends and our brothers and sisters. Um, but, Lord, that also helps us to keep a clear focus on you. Um, yeah, we just pray that you really bless our time together, Lord, in a run-up to Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, with regards to where we're at, this is approximately um, three decades after the first Christmas. Right? In our text. So Jesus is no longer a baby. 
You know what I'm saying? He's um, with Paul. So I asked when I came in, Elijah, how old he is. Elijah said he's 27. And I think if I remember rightly, Paul Daper is the big white brother outside on the door, right? <laughs> um, he's 32. So around about Elijah and Paul Daper's kind of age is how old Jesus is currently in our text. Now, Jesus um, <clears throat> is having a conversation with someone who was well-versed in the Hebrew Scriptures, although reading the text, you wouldn't think so, if you're familiar with John chapter 3. Um, someone who should have been aware of the things that Jesus is going to mention, but was actually very ignorant. He was lacking understanding, and he was immature in his thinking, although he was a leader in Israel. Now, a quick word of warning to us. You're like, oh, John 3. Oh, I know that. I don't, I don't really need to listen. I can switch off because everybody knows John chapter 3, verse 16. You know what I'm saying? Through to verse 18. Um, be careful that you don't end up like Nicodemus, right? Horribly embarrassed, <laughs> asking Jesus questions about what he said. And looking at this, <clears throat> again, for me, even though, you know what I'm saying, I've been a Christian for 28 years or so. And um, looking at John 3, especially these verses, verse six to eight, 16 to 18, again, has left me quite deeply instructed, um, quite challenged, you know what I'm saying, but at the same time, really encouraged. So I encourage you to, to join with me in looking at this maybe a little bit more carefully than you normally would. So John 3, uh, I'm just going to read the text. It's only a few verses, right? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Now let me just separate the text real quick, because we're going to try and go through it. Now, <clears throat> did you notice as we read that a few surprises? A few surprises. Now, as I go through the list, right, um, which ones stand out to you as most surprising, right? Verse 16, God loves the world. God gives gifts. Number three, believing in Jesus rescues from perishing. Number four, believing in Jesus provides eternal life. Verse 17, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. Number six, God did not send his son into the world, sorry, excuse me. God did send his son into the world to save it. Verse 18, whoever believes in the son is not condemned. Number eight. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Well, because he or she has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So there are nine points that I've pulled out of this text. I'll just put them up. Um, I would say quite a few of them are, are surprising. Would you agree? Now, again, before we go through these... Which one stood out for you as a surprise? Any of them? Well, 
all of them. Judith. Let's go through them. Number one, <clears throat> God loves the world. Now, I know that this would be a surprise to many. If you're a believer, you've been a Christian for a while, you're probably not surprised by that. But if you think about it quite carefully, <clears throat> those who have never really been exposed to the Bible often find this a problem. Oh my gosh, how can you say God loves the world? Look at the state of the, <laughs> look at the, state of the world, right? Some, I don't know if you saw, there was a clip recently. I mean, so many clips on YouTube. You can't even keep up, right, on YouTube and um, on Facebook and Twitter and whatever. And, and there was this woman, she was of African descent. Um, I think she was Nigerian. Because at first you couldn't tell, but then she was so shocked and horrified. As soon as like, she began to exclaim, you could hear the Niger come out in her. You know what I mean? Well, I think so anyway. I, I could be wrong. And um, she was saying she couldn't believe she was out on the road at the bus stop. And someone come and tried to convert her. Now, it's not surprising that someone will come and share a message. But they weren't Muslims and they weren't Christians. You know what they were? They were Satanists. And she stood up there, couldn't believe it. And she's trying to communicate this in this YouTube clip, isn't it? You can imagine, right? I, I just took you there, right? And she was like, you know, they were trying to convert me. And she said, I can't believe it. She says, Christians, we need to pray. And um, <clears throat> um, I share that. Why do I share that? Because... <clears throat> They try to tell her the reason the world is in the state it's in is because of God. And Satan is the one that will deliver her if she put her trust in him. Imagine. And that's because people have a problem with the fact that, that we would argue that God loves the world. It's a surprise to, to some. But, but why wouldn't he that is love the world? You know what I'm saying? Why wouldn't he? Can I remind you that he created the world? God is, not God created, not Satan, right? If you, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the world, looking at documented history, you know what I'm saying? What's the first book in the Bible? Genesis. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. God made the world, right? Does it, does it, does it not stand to reason that he has a vested interest in that which he's created? And if you know anything about Genesis... The world that God made was originally good. But it doesn't take long for things to turn bad and that very bad. It's not even, it's not even just that the world was good. Do you remember when God created the pinnacle of his creation? He not only said it was good, he said it is very good. But like I said, things went quickly pear-shaped. Things turned from good to bad to very bad. Yet God doesn't abandon the world. He puts together a plan to rescue the world, if you're familiar with Genesis 3.15. Right at the beginning, right as soon as the fall takes place, God puts in a plan. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so God doesn't abandon the world. He puts together a plan to rescue the world. Hence, Jesus' arrival, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. The end of Genesis 3, we see, imagine, three chapters in, the death of the first animal. And God takes the skins and he covers Adam and Eve, right? He takes an innocent sacrifice because of the sin that they'd committed. In Genesis 4, the next chapter, we see the first murder and subsequent human death, right? And then by chapter 5, we then see <clears throat> the word death mentioned over and over and over again, as if the writer of Genesis is trying to make a point by Genesis 5. 
Genesis chapter 5. It says, the days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. He had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. And then he what? He died. And then verse 8. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years. And he died. Verse 11. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years. And he died. The whole chapter continues in this fashion. Died, died, died. Death, death, death. Five chapters in. And where did it all start? Do you remember God said, the day in which you disobey my command, you shall surely what? Die. No surprise then, by the time we get to chapter 5, that's all you begin to see. And ever since the beginning of time, humans are condemned to death by virtue of their sinfulness. Can you see that this world is sinful and rebellious? But also, this world is busted and broken. And we still experience the pain of death. 6,000 years later, in 2018, you know, yesterday my wife, she just came and sat with me. She was all forlorn and I couldn't figure out why. And the thing is, she was mush up. She got this calcium business in her arm and her shoulder. And you lot suffer from that thing where your arm just... I think, Judith, did you have that for a little while, sis? But um, I don't, we, we're not even con- convinced that that's what it is. But her arm just gives her trouble. And so her arm was mush up and she came over. And I thought that's what, it, that's what it was. And she came and lied down on me. I'm mush up. You know what I mean? I'm like this, mush up. And so I, but, but she's mush up. So I try and put my arm around. And she just started weeping. She just started weeping. And I realized <clears throat> the reason she was crying is because eight years ago at Christmas time, her dad died. He died of cancer. And... Um, she just said, "I'm honey, I'm having a bad day. You know what I mean? And we just hugged and we just sat there for a little while. You know what I mean? And um, I know she didn't need a speech. She didn't need to, me to tell her to snap out of it, get over it. or She, didn't need, she just needed me to hold her, innit? Husbands, I hope you're taking notes. It's taken me 28 years to get to this, this revelation. Um, <laughs> and you know... Snow for many is a wonderful thing. Everybody wants it to snow at Christmas. My wife doesn't like the snow at Christmas because it reminds her of her dad passing away. And it's, gonna be, it's probably going to be the same for Jay's family, right? That's the, that's the young 15-year-old boy that was murdered, um, that we buried three days ago. You know what I'm saying? Christmas is never going to be the same for that family. You know what I'm saying? We pray and trust that the Lord will bring healing. You know what I'm saying? But... It's never going to take completely away the memory of their son, is it? You know what I'm saying? And we'd like to think, you know, what a blessing it to us that we got to spend a whole year with Jay before he died. And we'd like to think also that it was a blessing for him that he got to spend a whole year with us. Amen. We look forward again to seeing Jay one day. We've got that hope. Death. The world is sinful and rebellious. It's a mystery that God loves the world. But how many of you know the world is busted and broken? It's no mystery that God loves the world. God loves. That's our first point. God loves. But notice, God doesn't just love superficially, quote unquote, right? 
His love has corresponding actions. It's, it's like it's real love. <laughs> Ladies, when a man tell you that he loves you, be careful. You know what I mean? Just bear this, always bear this in mind. You know, which comes first, intimacy or commitment? Which comes first, intimacy or This is for the single people. Which comes first, intimacy or commitment? Commitment must come first. So when he tells you that he loves you, and babe, you know it's only you, innit? <laughs> when he starts chatting them thing there, it's like, you know, you, it's, like, it's like whatever. <laughs> if there ain't no corresponding actions after that, then let me encourage you not to get intimate. You know what I mean? Let's see some real commitment first. And God doesn't just love superficial, doesn't just tell us that he loves us. But can you see he has, there are corresponding actions? Notice the next part of verse 16. Can you see it? <clears throat> Put the text back up. God's love has expression. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. What's on your wish list? See, God's given out gifts. He gave. And look at what he gave. He gave his only son. Talk about going out on a limb. Talking about, talk about going all out. Talk about extreme giving. God loves to the point where God actually gives. And look at the gift. This describes Jesus being given over as a sacrifice for the world. Well, you understand this when you understand the gross nature of the problem. There's more um, to this than meets the eye. This giving of the sun starts very joyfully at Christmas. How many of you know it ends quite sorrowfully when? At Easter. Right? Jesus was born and it was wonderful. 33 years later, he ends up on a cross, doesn't he? But how many of you know that's the purpose that he came for? Jesus was born to die. We've already identified that sin is the problem, right? Right from the gate. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, In the light of that, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So in order to provide forgiveness, there has to be an innocent sacrifice. Hence, the giving of God's Son. Now, <clears throat> I heard an illustration, and there's this lady who she came from, she came from a, 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 she came from abroad and was unfamiliar with this December end of year type celebration that we're all quite familiar with, right? And she came and came to this country from abroad. She sees reindeer, and she sees <clears throat> she sees holly and ivy, and she sees snowmen. You know what I'm saying? And she sees Santa Claus, and she was left quite confused. And she asked the question, "What is Christmas really all about?" Well, how many of you know? She'd get a number of different answers from different people, depending on who they are, right? Depending on who she asked. But if she asked me, my answer would be, what is Christmas really all about? It's all about God sending his son into the world as an expression of his love. God loves. God gives. And now we come to our final point. God forgives. John chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 
16, God loves the world, we saw, and God gives gifts in giving his son. Now, <clears throat> all of our concluding surprises, I've suggested, describe this final concept of God's forgiveness. God loves, God gives, and God also forgives. <clears throat> so, the second half of verse 16 talks about believing in Jesus. What that does is it rescues from perishing. Can you see that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish. See that word in Greek, right? It means a few things. One of the things it means is die. Just like we said <clears throat> earlier. So believing in Jesus is the reversal of the original curse that brought death in the garden. But it doesn't just prevent perishing. Notice, it also at the same time provides eternal life. Can you see that? It's amazing just how much is in there when you begin to unpack it, right? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believing in Jesus provides eternal life, which <clears throat> by partial definition is not dying, right? But there's more to this word eternal life. I heard, I think it was Pastor E mentioned it during um, the time of praise. Thank God for the praise team. You lot smashed it. Nearly all the songs you sang are my favorite songs of this season. Oh, yeah. yeah, and was it Denzel on the keys? Because I was in the room, I couldn't hear, I couldn't see. Was it, did I say Denzel? Yeah, you, lot feel, you know I'm not feeling well, innit? So you look <laughs> Denzel Raymond, same thing, right? <laughs> but not to Chloe, you know. Chloe's like, no, no. <laughs> and Naomi, not the same. Where's Naomi? You know me here. <clears throat> this eternal life, Pastor E mentioned it, eternal, and Bertram mentioned it as well. This eternal life, you know, John mentions eternal life in his book 17 times. And he helpfully even defines it in one place. You know what I'm saying? In John chapter, anybody know where? John chapter 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal. You love it when the Bible does this. It gives you, the, you don't have to be kind of fishing around for the definite. Here's the, this is eternal life, that they <clears throat> know the only true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent. This is eternal life. And you'd be like, okay, well, wait a minute. I thought eternal life was, you know what I'm saying, um, living forever, not dying. Now you're telling me eternal life is knowing God. It's warm in here, isn't it? I'll just, just keep my top on. Um, here's a quote that I found very helpful. It's from a, a gentleman called Bob Hoekstra. I think he's a Calvary Chapel pastor. He says, look, one could rightly state that forgiveness of sins is included in eternal life, right? One could properly say that escaping hell and securing heaven are included in eternal life. Likewise, one could say that meaning and purpose for living are included in eternal life. Nevertheless, None of these individually, nor all of these collectively, are sufficient to complete the statement, and this is eternal life. To finish that profound beginning, one must add an all-encompassing truth. One must speak of the four dimensions of eternal life. <clears throat> what is large enough to complete that majestic opening? Only the one reality of knowing God would be adequate. That they may know you. Yes, knowing God is what eternal life is all about. 
Because all of that other stuff just spills out, you know what I'm saying, of knowing God. Um, now, getting back to our text, um, looking again at this issue of eternal life, <clears throat> you know, John in another place in chapter 5 really helps us. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, because remember, that's what he said originally in John chapter 3, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? God sent his son into the world, right? So truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, says Jesus, and believes him, the father who sent me, has eternal life. Notice, here's another element of eternal life. He or she does not come into judgment. See, one of the benefits of eternal life, but has passed from death to life. Therefore, eternal life... <clears throat> as well as knowing God, a part of the unpacking of that is acquittal from judgment. How about that on your wish list? Or is it one of those things that you've never really thought about? Acquittal from judgment, which is also illustrated lovely in our verses. Now notice, that's John chapter 5. Back to John chapter 3, our verses. Verse 17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. That's surprising. But God did send his son into the world to save it. See, this is this whole thing about condemnation. Now, there's no doubt that, <clears throat> that that is what the world deserves. Corporately, and if you're, if you're honest, individually. Right? Condemnation. That's what we deserve. But can you see the extent of God's love? And hopefully, someone will be encouraged by this good news today. God forgives. He doesn't condemn. You know what I'm saying? Jesus didn't come to judge. And, I'm, and, and, and God forgives. Verse 18, whoever believes in the Son is not condemned. Whoever does not believe has a problem. And they've got a problem that, they've, that they never realized they've had from birth. It says, whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he or she has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Here we have the bad news clearly articulated. And how many of you know this is surprising to many? <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes you share the good news with someone. You say, oh, you know, Jesus loves you and he died for you. And people are like, And? Like, like, what does that mean to me? You, tell, you know, the, like, where the master, like Pastor E has been teaching where the master at LCM for our students, um, three years running, and every single year he teaches it, and I'm in the class, I'm like, oh my gosh, where the master? Oi, Mikey P, oi, alai? You know what I mean? It's like, it's helping people to see the bad news before you share the good news. Because if you share the good news without sharing the bad news, the good news don't sound good. But when people understand the bad news, they're like, whoa, is that the, what? I'm condemned, like already. But what, right, well, how about if I turn over a new leaf, like today? Right, no more sinning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like anyone's able to keep that promise. No more sinning. I'm going to stop being kind. I'm going to come barley loaves and start hand out food. I'm going to be at prayer meeting. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's nice. But how about the, 
the 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years of previous history that has already seen you condemned. It's good to turn over a new leaf, but like I, heard, I think I heard Pastor E say at the funeral, time don't forgive sin. You know what I mean? And Condemned, I'm condemned. Why? Because he or she has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. <clears throat> Here we have the bad news clearly articulated. Like I said, it's surprising to many. And <clears throat> I know it, this was surprising to me back in 1989 when I became a Christian. I'm saying, I was like, rah, that man's going to hell. I ain't murdered nobody. And I'm saying, I haven't. But that was just one of the commandments. If you go through all of them, I'll get God. You know what I mean? Because you've got lying. You know what I mean? And then you've got taking the name of the Lord in vain. You know what I'm saying? You've got bowing down to idols. You know what I'm saying? And many of the idols that we have, um, like we don't bow down and worship statues, but how many of you know there are a multiplicity of idols in the 21st century? I heard someone say, I might have told you this before, someone went to India and they couldn't believe the amount of literal idols that people were bowing down and worshiping. He goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe it, all these idols. And, and then the Indian person turns around and said, really? Well, at least these idols, we have to go to the temple. You have idols in your house. The one that you all sit down around as a family and stare at for hours on end. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and I think, is it Luther that said the heart is an idol? I mean, that, the visual and physical idols that we can touch and drive and, you know what I'm saying? Um, all of that stuff, <clears throat> that's one thing. But then there are those invisible idols in the heart. Luther said the heart is an idol-making factory. Um, see, back in 89, I began to realize that, that not only was I a sinner, but I was a condemned sinner. I, I, I was under the wrath of God. And I'm saying that was a surprise. Now, <clears throat> have you noticed there's a word that, ke that came up in verse 18 four times. Did you notice it? I'll give you a clue. It begins with B. Believe, right? The word comes up four times. And it also comes up vitally in verse 16. We just read it. For God so loved the world that I'm saying, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him, right? This word, <clears throat> this word believe. Um, I love the Amplified. Pastor E, remember the Amplified Bible? Oi, jeez. I remember this, this, the Amplified version of this verse changed everything. Because you hear this word believe and you're like, oh, all I've got to do is believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, yo. And I'm saying... But then are there corresponding action? You know what I'm saying? Can we hear that and look at, you know what I'm saying? Can you hear that and look at my life and say, yeah, I can see that that brother really definitely, genuinely believes in Jesus. The word believe, listen to, listen to the Amplified. Oh, there's a four times. Look at, listen to the Amplified. <clears throat> it says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only be Amplified, you know, you see it amplifies the, the, the text. Um, that he, he, gave, he, he gave up his only begotten unique son, notice, so that whoever believes in, which means to trust in, cling to, and rely on. And I think I heard someone add to that, and adhere to. And I'm saying, that's what it means to believe. So just like God's love has an expression, how many of you know, our belief or 
our faith needs to have an expression. It's not just mental assent, right? There's corresponding action. It's a saving faith or a belief that saves. It's a belief that leads to change. It's a belief that, le- that, that, that leads to a transformed life. Notice I didn't say a perfect life. You know what I'm saying? But you begin, you live in such a way that your life takes another direction. You know what I'm saying? You're pursuing other things. And <clears throat> this is exactly what happens to the man that Jesus is speaking to in John chapter 3. What was his name? Nicodemus. A man who was a sinner. <clears throat> and it's funny, it's beautiful because God sent Jesus to save Nicodemus. And if like Nicodemus, you will believe that is trusting, and I'm saying adhere to, rely on Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. See, this is why we needed God to send the Son. Adam and Eve, they rebelled, didn't they? And, and so has every single person on the face of the earth since that time. Every single person in the world. Yet, in light of the bad news, the good news is God loves, God gives, and God forgives. God loves, God gives, and God forgives. Now, let me just apply this before I in, invite the team to come up. Um, if you're a non-Christian, you're not a Christian, right? And you're here today. It's like, it's like Christmas, isn't it? So, yeah, at church. Praise the Lord if you're here. What a blessing. We were all there. Remember, mine was 1989, St. Mark's Church, Kennington. Mm-hmm. Went there to Katran. <clears throat> can you see, if you're a non-Christian, can you see that all those sending the sun into the world wasn't something that you necessarily desired or were even looking for? Like, hey, that's not necessarily on your wish list, right? Or any, like, not just at Christmas or any time of the year. Can you see that God so loved the world, which evidently includes you. God loves you. Hopefully that should encourage your heart. In a world where a, a lot of love is lost, God loves you. And God so loved you that he sent his son. <clears throat> and he sent his son to save you, not to condemn you. Hopefully that's good news. What you need to do is you need to believe in him. You need to trust in him. You need to rely on him. You need to adhere to him. And if you're a Christian today, if you're a believer, are you reminded about the good news about Jesus and how God sent him into the world to save you? to save me. And th- that's the first thing to think about. How about, how about this? Um, how do you feel about the world? How do you feel about the world? I mean, God loves the world, right? We saw that. Do you? I mean, I, I ask myself these questions. Those who have a different sexual orientation, to you. How do you feel about them? How about those who sell drugs? I mean, those who sell their bodies. Um, Individuals that have done you wrong. Individuals that have sinned against you. How do you feel about them? I mean, it's like 
if God was to mark my transgressions, I think the verse says, if God was to mark our transgressions, who would stand? You know what I mean? If God's got this kind of love for the world, there's a problem if we don't. And it's sometimes something that we just have to work on, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? You might have <clears throat> someone who you were really close friends with, and you're not anymore because they've done you something. Or might be a spouse. Or you might have had a girlfriend or a boyfriend and things looked like they were going to work out nicely and they just rejected you and dumped you and left you. Mash up. What I'm saying, it's like, <clears throat> as a Christian, are you going to reflect God's love even for those that, like, the world in, in reference to God, sins against God, those who sin against you? Well, God loves, doesn't he? And it leads to him doing something that is him giving, even of himself. And eventually, God forgives. So. God loves, God gives, God forgives. I'm going to invite the, the team to come up and join me. And as they come in, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you. For the fact that once a year, not even once, twice a year, because the two major celebrations that we in this country um, can't duck or dive. I mean, then who wants to? Maybe Easter. People are not really so much feeling Easter. But Christmas, thank you, Lord, that is indelibly etched into, our, into, into the celebrations of society, Christmas and um, Father, we're just so grateful because it's evident, it's evident that is the reason for the season. Um, but there are many that don't know. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for reminding us this, this Christmas um, that is fundamentally about you sending your son into this world because you love this world. And you sent Jesus not to condemn, but to save. That's the message. That's the message. Not just of Christmas, but that's the message of the gospel. And Lord, it's something that we talk about all the time around here. And um, yet this is a particular point in time, Lord, where we really get opportunity to share it with others. I pray that you help us to be moved by the message. Help us to be moved by the good news. Lord, because we're never going to share it if we're not convinced of it. We're never going to share it if we don't really genuinely believe it. And I pray, Lord, as we're thinking and framing our focus over the next couple of weeks, Lord, you'd give us real courage. Because even, even though we do believe it, sometimes what we're lacking is courage to share it. But Lord, I mean, you talk about, you set it up nicely. I mean, no one can't even hate. It's Christmas. It's Christ's Mass. And so, Lord, I pray that you would <clears throat> be, help us to be like you, motivated by love. Um, not because we have to, or not because we're trying to get brownie points, um, but genuinely because, because of the love that, that we have, because of the love that you gave to us, Lord. We don't love apart from the fact that you loved us first. And, Lord, I do pray if there's someone here today that, 
this was quite surprising to never really never understood you know why Jesus came and seriously never really understood that they were condemned already yeah it's wonderful how not just today but 2000 years ago lord you executed a plan i say 2000 years ago right from genesis even before the bible says the foundation of earth jesus was the lamb of god slain before time you'd put in a, a plan in order to save um lord would you open the eyes of someone's understanding today and and grant them grace and that this christmas would be very different it'd be unique lord like when i found my sister unique christmas it'd be a unique christmas for them um, because they received the son that you sent thank you father in jesus name amen join us next time for more of god's truth to transform your reality